Yo, 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 I am Brad Rickle, and this is the Brad Rickle Brief. Took a break from the show over the last couple of months. I'm sure the dozens and dozens of you missed the content that I'm putting out there. But from the last show, you heard that Mallory finished her PhD in mechanical engineering. Surprisingly enough, I spent a lot of time helping her as best I could with that. And then also on another parallel track, Gary and I are finishing up her book regarding the intelligence community's philosophical approach to knowledge. So just took some time off after the book's last big push, and now we're back at it. I've also developed some pretty dope logo for the show and getting some swag gear made. Coffee cups, hats, shirts, stuff like that. If you're interested in anything, send me an email at bradricklebrief at gmail.com and let me know if you're interested. The least I can do for friends of the show is pass out a little gear. But regarding today's show, I've recently finished the book Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. Overall, it wasn't the best book I ever read, but a few things really stuck out to me. First off, the honesty of the book about him writing Nike was really refreshing. Originally, Phil Knight went by a different named company, but importantly, he wasn't making shoes. He was importing shoes from Japan. The writing style of the book was not great. It was an easy read and it was approachable, but then all of a sudden you'd have these nickel and dime words just kind of spread sporadically out through, throughout the book, and it came off as weird. It reads as if Phil Knight dictated most of the book to a ghostwriter, and then the ghostwriter attempting to show how smart he is by putting in some, some pretty big words into it. They, they just seemed out of place. But the stories were fun to read because these were not stories of success. The early years were perilous times, lousy with low operating capital, near bankruptcies and lawsuits. My takeaway from the story was it was hard to start Nike and to make, make it successful, which makes total sense. My small amount of business experience, that seems absolutely correct. It is not easy. But to hear a person like Phil Knight talk about it, about his bad temper, his stubbornness, the sweatshops overseas in the, in the 90s, if you remember that, other problems they faced, it reads as an actual reflection of the reality of business. And I can only imagine, if I were him, how easy it would be to wash out all the negative events and only highlight my genius in writing such a book. So big credit to Phil Knight. It didn't seem to be serving his ego writing the way he did. He just kept things honest, it seemed like. And there was a quote that Phil Knight used in this book. And this was the biggest thing that stuck out to me in particular. And he used this for his staff meetings and when things got hard in business. The cowards never started. The weak died along the way. That leaves us. And that's worth saying one more time. The cowards never started. The weak died along the way. That leaves us. This book came out in 2016. Like, like I said, I just, I just read it. I wasn't an executive at the time, so maybe when this book came out and all the CEOs read it, maybe it was thrown around in a lot of boardrooms and quarterly meetings. It makes total sense, and they should have. I've never heard it before, but to a large degree, I believe this saying really applies to our daily lives. So if we break this down, the cowards never started, and that's the truth. We don't start most of the things we're capable of in life for a lot of different reasons. Time is used really often as to why we don't start things. How many business ideas have never materialized because 
people say they don't have the time right now. I have two or three potential businesses that are in my head that I'm doing nothing about because that's the excuse that I'm using. And make no mistake, it is an excuse. And whatever the excuses are, time, money, some other BS, I think it's a fair summation to say that all these excuses, you could say are subcategories of cowardice. We are scared for some reason to even try things. Cowardice stops us. Most of us from starting things we otherwise could. Sometimes we're scared of failing. Sometimes we're scared of succeeding. And while that sounds weird, the elevation of success is usually coupled with uncoupling from things in our past. And that can be scary. At least it can be scary enough to stop us from attempting something new. Whatever the reason, we don't start most things in life. The cowards don't start. That includes us at a lot of different points in our lives. And you can probably think of something that you wanted to do in your past, but didn't. Is there a good reason why that you can think of other than cowardice? That really fits the bill for me. The cowards never started. The weak died along the way. Starting something is the hardest part. The activation energy is tough to muster. Keeping it up, however, is no joke. It is incredibly difficult. Think about doing your job for the next 20 to 30 years, or me doing this podcast forever, or even another year, or finishing that book that I referenced that Gary and I are working on. Even though we're close, the last 10% is the hardest. It is easier to stop on any given day, and that is always an option, usually a pretty attractive one. We find out that there's this power law in life, and you may have heard me talk about it on this show as Pareto's principle. It is that 80% of the results come from 20% of the input. To those that have, more will be given. To those that don't, more will be taken. That's the biblical power law. Success finds its way to a few. If we're not experiencing the type of success we envision, it's easy to quit. Success doesn't simply have to be money, but normally it is. Sometimes it's the sense of satisfaction. I might have mentioned that before as well. We're not out buying a drill. We're trying to make a hole in the wall or to put up the shelf or to have our wife say she's proud of us for cleaning up the house and being able to put books on the shelf. That sense of satisfaction. And no matter our definition of success, if we're not successful as early as we would like to be, it's easy to quit. It's human nature. Not having the strength to keep going forward could be classified as weakness. The weak died along the way. For those that are still in the fight, those that are getting after it, it might seem like semantics for whatever their reason that the others dropped out. Ultimately, you are in it or you are not. It's binary. The weak don't make it to the finish line, but not weakness as a pejorative on those that tried and stopped, but as a juxtaposition for those that are still in it, getting after it. And there's a difference there. I hope you recognize it. The cowards never started. The weak died along the way. That leaves us. As a famous slogan to the Marines, the few, the proud. Those that are still standing in whatever system you're choosing to operate in, you're in a 1% club of your own. And this works well for businesses in which competition is fierce. If you're a government services company like I was, companies are dropping out or getting acquired all the time. There are constant new entrants competing as well. Every quarter is a fight for survival. Most people don't start. A lot of companies don't make it. That leaves us. This saying could 
or should be a rallying cry at every quarterly meeting for any company because it applies. It's so perfect. Especially in business, it's important to establish the right culture, and that can be a differentiator to employees. If your people buy your culture, they'll stick around. There will always be a demand for talent, and if you have talented people, they're likely desirable to other companies as well. This type of motto could be an anthem that the group you're working with is selected, it's small, it's special. If people feel like that, they won't be looking to leave. But moreover, most of us, myself included in particular, aren't running a business. Hell, I'm not even working. And it is the personal application that I want to talk about. The cowards never started. The weak died along the way. That leaves us. If you're listening to this, you are living this saying as well. Think about it in your personal life. How many relationships that you were in stopped at some point? How many friends disappeared from your beginning of time to where you are right now? How many jobs have you had that led you to where you are? Our life is a reflection of our choices. Most of the decisions we make are non-action. We simply don't do most of the things we can. They're not practical or desirable. We have to prioritize what's important to us. So we simply can't act on everything. Even when we start things, we quit most of them. You know, and it, and it can turn out that we're better off for it. I don't think sitting in the basement playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with Tyler and Jason, like I used to do when we were 8, 9, 10 years old, doesn't have much of an upside for us anymore. We date, and we try to figure out what we're looking for in a partner. You try out different jobs to see what makes you happy. You experience life, you keep what's useful, and you discard the rest. The relationships you have in your life, your career, your hobbies, are all an intersection of what you've never started, what got dropped along the way, and what was left that made it tell right now in this moment of time. I know personally it's a sad feeling when friendships don't make it. For instance, some people I was great friends with 10, 20 years ago, we really don't talk anymore. What worked then doesn't work now. But funny enough, it might work later at some point. I don't know. We're still changing. It's a good thing. There is a saying that you should choose to play long-term games with long-term people. To say that another way, you want to choose in your life, you want those in your life in which both of you can benefit from the relationship for a long term. Think of a marriage. You want to pick a partner to grow with together with the hope that you provide each other with what they value. And the understanding is people change over time. This works for friendships as well, hobbies, careers. You want to find and keep those people in your life, those relationships that the compounding of these good people in your life can really do magic. Compounding is awesome. And there's probably not a more fruitful way to realize it than in a, in a relationship. And when things are getting hard in life, things are getting hard in your career or your relationships, your friendships, your hobbies, whatever it might be. The cowards never started. The weak died along the way. That leaves us. That's you. If you evaluate your life through this lens, you may see how applicable it actually is. You are distinguished by your uniqueness. Your life is a result of whatever's left standing after everything. And that's something to be proud of. All right, that is it, folks. Thank you for listening to today's show. I got a couple episodes queued up. 
And I got a couple people lined up for interviews. If you have any comments, feedback, or you want to be a guest on the show, please email me at bradricklebrief at gmail.com. Or you can find me always Twitter at Brad Rickle. And if you know my phone number, you can text me. Music, as always, is provided by James Spensley. Dude knows how to shred. Listen to that in the background. See you later, folks. I'm out.